Welcome to The Shift Spot. Today's leadership and management topic is about leadership aspirations, but more specifically, Ken Paskins and I are going to be talking about how to become the leader that you want to be. Over the last, I guess it's been what, Ken, three weeks? This is week number four. Over the last four weeks, yep. you and I have talked about a lot of different topics within the area of leadership and management. So today, I want to kind of wrap things up and culminate all the things we've talked about and bring it in, you know, bring it together around really how to become the leader that you want to be. So uh, I really look forward to jumping into this last topic. And um, what are you, what are your thoughts today, Ken, uh, about wrapping things up and bringing it all together? Yeah, I'm excited. I've uh, picked up some stuff myself going through these and I'm excited to see how it, uh, how you bring it home. So let's go. Cool. So uh, before I get started, if you're listening or watching this last episode of the uh, leadership and management topic here on the Shift Spot, I'm actually going to have an ebook and a work a worksheet that will be available both in the Shift Spot and outside of the Shift Spot. If you want, if you're listening on the podcast, you're not part of the Shift Spot. You should definitely think about becoming part of the Shift Spot community. Uh, if you're not and you want to get access to it, we'll make sure that you get a link to the actual ebook and work workbook uh, if you're listening to the podcast. So. Uh, let's go ahead and jump in. So first question, Ken, are great leaders born? You know, I know you're going to disagree with me. So I'm just going into it knowing that. <laughs> I believe that fundamentally great leaders have some DNA that they are born with. Now, are they just born? No, I know you're going to disagree. I believe that you can you can mold and everything, but I believe there is something in there that makes people actually step into leadership or not. So that that's my that's my gray area answer. <laughs> I, I think your gray area answer is probably pretty accurate. So this debate on leadership skills and whether they're not, you know, they're innate or they're learned probably has been debated probably since the caveman. Yeah. Um, and just just guessing. So let's jump in like cavemen and really dig deep into whether or not people are born with the gift of effective leadership uh, skills, um, or you know, like the rest of us are kind of relegated uh, to not being great leaders. Yeah. I personally feel that leadership can be developed, um, but okay. I think it also can be something where it's the people we're surrounded by very early on in our life. Yep. So um, I've got my own perspective, Ken, on those early childhood mentors, uh, the, the men and women in our lives, and how they shape and frame uh, our birth as a leader. So the question was, is our great leaders born? They are born, but it's also, are they born into an environment and surrounded by people that actually enable those skills? Yeah. So tell me a little bit, I, I just want to like delve back into your early childhood a little bit. Oh God, okay. I, I'm not going to go into like what made you the person you are today. So we, this is not a coaching session. Yeah. But tell me who were some of the first leaders in your life that if you look back and say they shaped some of my leadership skills and how I am today as a leader. Who are some of those early leaders in your childhood that really helped you shape shape your leadership, uh, you know, your leadership style? Yeah, I mean, it sounds silly, but uh, my mom, actually, you know, she was a, a very strong individual, very, um, a lot of empathy, could make a friend anywhere, always involved. She was, you know, when I was a young kid, she was my soccer coach. You know, she was, you know, PTA, you name it, always, always in those leadership type roles. So honestly, yeah, I never thought about it, but probably my mom. Your mom. Cool. Yep. I, I, my mom is definitely up there for me. And it's, a, it's probably a little different. My parents were divorced when I was five years old. And um, my mom worked a job making $3.75 per hour mm -hmm. at a local pharmacy um, back in uh, Pennsylvania in the 19, late 70s, early 80s. And um, I saw this person that struggled, but never really like let, you know, let those struggles hold her back from yeah. growth. And yeah. eventually she worked her way up and she worked into the pharmacy in the back as a pharmacy tech, and then eventually, you know, moved up to a hospital. And she really always had those leadership skills of just saying, 
we're going to figure it out, right? We're going to come up with a way to figure the problem out. The other person that really shaped probably my uh, more the empathetic side uh, was really my grandfather. My grandfather was this, you know, quiet man, big man, World War II vet, never really talked about, you know, his experience, which I think you and I have talked about that, right? A lot of vets don't talk about their, their military experience. But I did Meals on Wheels runs with him as a child, like a six-year-old. During the summer, I eventually became a board member at Meals on Wheels, um, which kind of shaped that. But I think what, if you bring it, we bring it back full circle, those experiences as we grow and as we get older, the people that we surround ourselves or that are forced upon us, right? Like our, our parents and teachers, when I say forced upon us, our teachers we don't have an option to choose our teachers when we're young. Right. And then we go through high school. We were in sports. I was on the track team. Uh, so my track coach was a great influential leader for me. And then eventually our, whether I was in the military, so many military leaders were, were great examples. All of those things I saw traits and even you uh, I learned a lot from you as you being the, you know, fractional chief operations officer for a, a company we worked together in. And I learned a lot from you, right? I've learned a lot from you throughout uh, the time we've worked together and and we've partnered together. Uh, so I think whether you're peers or you have a direct leader or even somebody you actually just observe, you yeah. can learn a lot from those people. So I don't believe you're born, but I believe you're born with the skills to be able to learn and to adapt and to absorb right. leadership skills. So I don't think we're born with the leadership spoon in our mouth, but I think we're able to kind of grow into those. Yep, I concur. So let's talk about the advantages of being a skillful leader. Um, what do you, before I share the four that I put on here, what do you think are some advantages of being a skillful leader? I don't want to assume I even know what that means, what, what, but what do you mean? Advantages? So being- if you're, so there are two types of leaders. There are skillful leaders and then there are unskilled leaders, right? Like, and I wouldn't even call them leaders. There are people that have, haven't built the skill of becoming a leader and maybe they're just managers. They're just, maybe they're good. Maybe they're not good. So when you become a great leader in your organization, what are some of the advantages of being a great leader? Okay, so the advantages, I assume that you're talking about if I was a skillful leader, what are my advantages? Is that what are the advantages for you so that if I if you work for me in an organization or you are a leader in your business or even in life, right? What are some of the advantages of being a great leader? Yeah, so the advantages are I think that it's easier to get what you expect, right? Because you understand how to paint that vision lay out that roadmap with clarity, right? Um, which yeah, I'm not putting this in four buckets, but so I'm just kind of rambling. Um, I think it leads to less disappointment. Mm. Um, you know, when you look at employees, it looks it, it leads to less turnover, better, you know, better retention, less or or greater execution, right? Uh, they're committed to it, right? Versus, you know, uh, you know, maybe a manager that just they're there to help them, you know, um, basically put in their time off or whatever. But uh, those are some, I, I guess, some quick things that come to mind for me. Those are all great examples. Um, I these are some of the the four that I came up with. So the first is more valuable professionally. Now, what do we, what do I mean by more valuable professionally? You're more valuable. So if you're a business owner, you're more valuable to your team, right? Right. To your employees. Um, But when I say more valuable, if you're a intrapreneur working within an organization, you are more valuable to your employer. So if you're watching this and you're like, I don't really want to be a leader. I don't want to manage people. Right. um, You're going to be stagnant in your career, right? You're going to stay in the same level within your career if you don't look at opportunities to grow as a leader in your organization and your employer will find you more valuable in your organization by becoming a great leader if you're a crappy leader you're definitely going to be passed over in the military poor leaders get they they attrition you know there's attrition right they they basically get pushed out of the military so 
military officers, if you're a great military officer, you will continue to ride the ranks. Yeah. But if you're a bad, if you're just a, a, a mediocre leader, you will definitely, there will be attrition. You will definitely be pushed out. Passed over is what they call it in the military. And yeah. so you will be passed over in your business as well. Yeah. Uh, the number two is more attractive professionally. Now, what is the difference between value and attractive, right? From your perspective, uh, Ken, what do you think? So valuable means that, um, boy, that's a great question. What's the difference between valuable versus attractive? Attractive would be, I guess, people want me to work with them. Valuable means that I'm an asset worth keeping. Correct. The value is what we value as there is a monetary value. So people will pay you more to become a, 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 a because you're a great leader, they will pay you more. They will value you more. They will ask you for your input and feedback more. Attractive are those that if you're an attractive leader, you will be attracted to other people, right? It's no different if you're an attractive human being. That's, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but uh, no different in the business. If you're a great leader, people will be attracted to you. You have more opportunity, Right. So the value is where you're going to be more valued internally, whereas attractive is you're going to be more valued externally. If you are a great leader as a business owner, um, venture capitalists are going to find you more attractive to make investments into your business. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you're valuable, um, you know, as a leader, you're going to be have a, a better opportunity to be retained or a better opportunity, uh, you know, to, to kind of rise yourself up in the ranks. Also, being an attractive leader, also another one that we don't think about, um, you're going to attract other founders in your business. If you are a startup company and you're looking for other founders, you're going to be more attractive to other people. Um, if you're not, people are going to be like avoiding you and you're going to be in a kind of your own isolated island. So uh, I've seen the opposite of attractive leaders. I've found ones where I'm repulsed by them yeah. and I don't want nothing to do with them, Right. Uh, but there has been valuable leaders within my own organizations where I've, I've wanted to raise those people up in the ranks uh, so that they can grow professionally and that they would support the overall mission of the organization. Yeah. And um, actually, just, just to spin this a little differently for those that in our community, they're owners and CEOs, how this might show up if you have some leadership problems from my perspective is that um, I never get what I want through my employees. I don't understand why they don't see it the way I do. I don't understand why I have to make all the decisions. I don't understand why I'm constantly working in the business, right? I don't understand why, you know, there seems to be disengagement or employee turnover or why it's difficult to attract the right people. I mean, a lot of those things reflect up to the top, right? And those yeah. are things that, you know, that why, you know, being a CEO is is easy in some some cases and harder in other. You can you can invest and you can put a lot of money in and create a company, but if you don't figure out the basic leadership aspects, then there's gonna be a lot of pain that comes with that with it and, and until you figure it out. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think you know, for the shift spot community that the the point that you made about attracting great people. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. One of the qualities of a great leader is being able to attract team members, quality team members. Right. And I see it today uh, in the people that I'm coaching, the, the CEOs of, of organizations I'm coaching. Oftentimes, uh, poor leaders attract poor quality employees, right? And, and so great leaders attract great quality employees. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's a, it, being attractive professionally as a leader is really important. Yeah. Number three, positively impacts your personal life. Um, and, and what I mean by this is I'll give you a good example. I remember very early on in my career, I was in Atlanta uh, for a conference downtown at the, uh, the big conference center um, down there. And I was with a group of people from a very large Fortune 100 company I worked for. And yep. there was about 20 of us going out to dinner one night, right? Walking around downtown. And the people in the front of the pack that were kind of like, they just made decisions, says this is where we're going, right? And they like just took off. Whereas other people in the back were like, well, maybe we're, do we go here for dinner? Do we go there for dinner? Like, hey, do we forget John? 
the leaders were the ones that were in the front and just literally were like, no, we're going here. And I'm making that executive decision uh, because it's going to be able to take 20 of us. Right. And it was kind of a, a moment where I recognized that the people that were leaders could influence others right? And they would more likely, when you positively influence people, you are more likely to be treated with respect in return. So, you know, you think about the crappiest leaders in the world, how they get, you know, and I I know this is going to be a a, a not, maybe not so popular one, but take somebody like Trump, right? Um, Not a great leader. He's, but he has influence over other people and people follow him, right? Because the people, he has a way to influence other people and he has strong leadership traits that people follow the guy. People listen to the guy. Weak leaders, nobody's going to follow you. Right. So whether you like his politics or you don't like his politics, right? And I'm not going to speak on my own opinion, but it doesn't matter because he has the ability to influence people. And in the presidential election, the ones that are skillful leaders are the ones that attract people during the election cycle. And we see the weak leaders following kind of, and doesn't mean they were, they could have been a great governor in their state or, you know, a great business owner in in whatever area, but they're not great leaders. Um, So again, I think leadership quality allows you to influence other people. And in return, you get treated with respect uh, by those that admire you. Being a good leader enhances your confidence, right? Using Trump as an example, the dude exhibits so much confidence, yeah, yeah. like beyond anybody I've ever seen, right? Elon Musk is another one. We've talked about Elon Musk in some of these. And Elon Musk exhibits huge amounts of confidence. Yeah. Um, and those are qualities of a, you know, qualities of a great leader is exhibiting that confidence. Um, so those are my four, Ken. Okay, cool. Um, let's go into qualities shared by great leaders. So what do you feel, and, and again, I'm not going to, I'm going to show you my eight, but I want to get your perspective. What are, what are some qualities that you think are shared by great leaders? Um, I, I would say empathy is one. Um, decisiveness. Yep. Um, able to paint a vision. And see the, I don't know, I call it the battlefield or or view things as a chess chessboard versus checkers. Uh, what are some other great qualities of leaders? Um authority figure, right? Meaning that they speak with authority. Uh calculative, right? Meaning that they, well, I think that kind of ties into, yeah, those are those are some that come to mind real quick. So those are definitely all uh, definitely all common traits in, in shared by many, right? Um, when it comes down to the equality shared by great leaders, the first and number one is communication skills. They're effective communicators. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, that like you can't get any higher than that that skill. If you don't have effective communication skills, you're going to struggle as a leader. Yep. Number two, we talked about this in our first episode uh, for this leadership and management is delegation, right? That secret skill that you have to have. Um, so delegating effectively. Great leaders know how to delegate. Number three. Leaders that are adept at choosing team members, right? You talk a lot about this, Ken, right? Right people, right seat. Great leaders know how to put the right people in the right seat on the bus. Yep. Um, number four, honesty, right? Great leaders are honest. They're honest with their team members. They're honest with themselves, right? Um, they know how to make decisions quickly. A lot of the traits you were talking about can kind of roll up into many of these yep. areas, yep. right? Conviction, right? Like your business owners that you're talking about in the shift spot have to have conviction. If you're going to be a great business owner and you're going to run a successful business and be a great leader for that business, you have to have conviction. You need to know what what values you stand on. That's where the core values come into play is like yeah. you're convicted that the core values are the most important things in your business. You're con- you have conviction around your mission and your vision. You have conviction about the market that you deliver or that you're delivering your products and service to. Um, going back to the last one, confidence, right? Um, you know, the one thing I, I've always admired about you is like 
you have a level of confidence and I'm sure that you have insecurities just like every one of us, but you exhibit confidence in everything that you do. And that allows you to be successful. Um, Flexibility, rigidness doesn't work well. Yeah, I agree. And I think, Ken, the last one, number eight, being intuitive, kind of having intuition around what's going on and just having that gut feel. Tell me out of all all eight of these, other than number one, because I don't care what you say, number one is the the most important one. one. Which one do you feel you is a weak point for you that you would have to develop and grow personally? Um, boy, my weakest one. I would say flexible. I mean, you're not flexible. You're kind of rigid, which kind of goes to your disc assessment profile. Yeah. I mean, I believe that uh, as I've, uh, I've grown and in everything that have become more flexible, but if I'm to pick a weakness, which is the assignment, <laughs> that is, that is prob- probably, uh, I would say that would be my number eight. Number eight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, fl- or, or no flexibility, but that would be my lowest one. That's your know. lowest area. If you were to go off these, these eight, Eight yeah. areas. My mine, uh, surprising, maybe surprising may not be, is actually number six, confidence. Um, yeah, definitely. I had struggled with confidence throughout my career, um, still do to this day. And uh, a lot of it's driven by being told when you're a child that you're not good enough, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've struggled to overcome that and, and, uh, I've gone to therapy around it a few times to yeah. like, try to figure out why, why do I, why am I afraid of like judgment? Right. Yeah. I'm so afraid of being judged. Um, which I know, like I'm, I'm confident in other areas, right. I know like I'm, I can get on this thing and talk and be confident about what I'm talking about, but I, I struggle in other areas. Um, I can get in front of a group of a thousand plus people and speak confidently about a topic, but I still struggle with the confidence to do other things. So yeah. um, what do you feel is your strength? Let's see. Uh, two. <laughs> two delegation. Yeah, yeah. You're great at delegating. <laughs> yeah. You can delegate up and down, which is not a skill that not everybody has. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that's my, probably my number one. <laughs> Were you born with that or, or where did, where, where did you learn uh, to, to hone that skill? Where, what was your kind of defining moment of learning delegation? Um, that's a great question. I don't know if I can pinpoint on it, but I do believe that I've spoken to a lot of folks that they kind of question over the years, like, why have I never gotten promoted b- above manager, right? And I look at all of those folks that, you know, are, are might be great managers, and we'll even call them leaders for their teams or small teams, but their inability to move up the organization is often tied to their inability to delegate and get work done through others. Right. So, but I, I don't know if I can pinpoint back on time on where that started, how that started. Yeah, that that's a, it's an interesting perspective. And I never really looked at the people that struggled and sat in the same position. I think people struggle to move out of that management role into other roles based on one number six confidence, right? They, yeah. they lack confidence but they also lack the inability. And part of confidence is having the confidence to move beyond yourself and know that And if you're going to grow, you need to delegate work. So uh, I think it starts with confidence for sure. For me, I would say, um, I think number seven is probably one of my, if I, I think communication, I think I'm a pretty damn good communicator, but I think number seven, uh, flexibility. I'm like, you asked me like, Hey, we need to pivot. Okay. And I just do it. Or it's like, Hey, I know you don't do this. Like, this isn't your job, but I need you to pick up this ball for me. It's like, I don't really know how the hell to do that, but I'm going to figure it out. Right. So the ability to be flexible, I think I, I, I know some people hate this term, but I feel like I'm a Jack of all trades and a master of few. Um, but, uh, I like that because it makes me more adaptable and makes me more valuable, uh, to, to have skill sets across a variety of different areas. So, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, can, this is one that I want to ask, can introverts be effective leaders? Well, 
I'd say, unfortunately, yes. And I can only say that because honestly, Jesse, I consider myself somewhat of an introvert. Yeah. And, and uh, I fill up as an extrovert, right? Meaning that, you know, I, I do enjoy being around people and it charges me and everything, but I'm not one of those guys that I, I, I need like 50 friends around me all the time, uh, you know, and all that. But if I get into a party or so social situation, I, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I, quite honestly, I think I'm a lot of fun and people laugh and, and have a good time to be around me. But I would say, honestly, I'm an introvert uh, by nature. And uh, so, yes, I will have to say that introverts can be effective leaders. So studies show that 40% of the highest rated leaders on the planet have yeah. been introverts. Um, I'll give you a couple of examples of some introverts. Bill Gates is an introvert. Yeah. Now you could argue, does he have great leadership? What's that stat again? 40% of the highest rated uh, leaders are introverts. Wow. I, I got I to jot that down. That's, that's a really interesting stat. I thought you were going to tell me, wow, Ken, nobody could be a great leader as an introvert. Yeah, 40%. So that means 60% are extroverted, right? Which is fine. I, I personally would rate myself as an introverted extrovert, um, right? You know, like I, I, my default settings introversion, but I can turn the extroversion uh, on. But Steven Spielberg yeah. is an introvert. Uh, Abraham Lincoln was an introvert. Uh, so there's a lot of introverts throughout history. So being an extrovert isn't a requirement to be a world-class leader. If you're an introvert, there's time to embrace uh, leadership skills fully. And why am I talking about this? Because I want, being that a large portion of the population, especially post-pandemic, seems that more and more people are becoming introverted. Uh, younger people um, oftentimes are more introverted now in this new generation of millennials and, and Gen Zs uh, seem to be more introverted because they, they don't get out as much, right? Um, they seem stuck behind it. So if you're kind of moving into that pathway, or you're a younger leader and you're worried about, well, I'm an introvert, I'm not gonna be a great leader. The first number one item is introverts are better listeners, right? Uh, there's data to suggest that introverted leaders are considered better listeners uh, because they're actually able to absorb suggestions from other team members. Extroverts, which I'm going to talk about number two, extroverts are ego-driven, right? Yeah. Uh, which is how they got to be where they are. Introverted leaders tend to be less ego-driven. Um, and, and, you know, there's a, a couple introverts are more willing to give credit to others because they don't want to be the limelight, right? They don't want to be at the, the spotlight pointing down on them. And they want to commit to the success of more altruistic uh, ideas and reasons behind that. And honestly, that's me. Whenever something happens, I'm like, hey, you know, I owe it to the team. I owe it to them, right? They did this, not me, right? So my, my, my father was an extrovert and um, my grandfather was an introvert. Right. So having kind of a balance between an introvert and an extroverted male in my life, my father definitely wanted the credit. Right. Yeah. My grandfather didn't want anybody like to even know he was in the room. So he would always give credit to other people. Um, so if you pay attention to Twitter or social media and you look at some of the greatest leaders, biggest when I say biggest leaders, like the ones that are lead, leading major corporations or presidents, things like that they won't give credit to themselves, right? The great leaders won't give credit to themselves. They will give credit to others. Um, so past presidents, past 10 years or 15 years or 20 years. Very, very uh, ego-driven. Yes, yeah. Very right. ego-driven. They like to take credit to, for themselves, right? And uh, not, but there, there's actually a leader in North Carolina. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. His name's Jeff Jackson. Mm -mm. He is um, a member of Congress now. He was a uh, North Carolina um, representative. He's an active military reservist. He's an officer in the U.S. Army. Uh, he's based in Charlotte, North Carolina, Mecklenburg. He covers that district. Uh, he got uh, elected. He was actually running for Senate, and then somehow he stepped back from being Senate and then ran for an open seat in the House of Representatives. I have never heard that guy give himself credit. He has always given other people credit. Uh, he literally gets on Twitter once a week and does a summary of his week in Congress. And when there's like, they've been talking about TikTok, he actually gets on TikTok and actually does like a five minute segment of like, what actually does this mean to the people of his district? So like, again, he, he's, an, he's an extrovert probably, 
uh, just seeing the guy, but he literally did, when he was running for Congress, he literally went to every small town in North Carolina asking people for input and insights so that when he walked into the, the you know, into Congress, he was able to basically speak for the people. Um, so that to me is a great leader. Yeah. My wife hates him for some reason, but I think he's a great leader. <laughs> but uh, introverts are more likely to be calming influence during turbulent times. Agree with so that. when we think of the pandemic, which ones uh, were calm, right? And yeah. I, that's a rhetorical question. I want you to think about people in your life and the leaders around you and introverts are more calming uh, yeah. during difficult times. They're not going to be like freaking out, um, trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, number four, introverts prepare extensively. They're more likely to really think through the possibilities and be proactive and be thoughtful during these difficult times because they're adverse to drama and the unknown. Yeah. Right. They don't want drama in their life. They don't want the unknown. So they're more likely to really think through opportunities and possibilities. And introverts like their environments to be less stimulating than extroverts. Yeah. So I am like that. I like that's why I'm a minimal. I'm a minimalist. I hate like my house when it's overwhelmed and locked of activity. Like I am out of my element. I'm like, I need to go to the woods and sit and be quiet. Yeah. Um, so extroverts love chaos. And Ken, that's a question for you. In people that you've coached and worked with, I want you to think of extroverted leaders and introverted leaders that you've worked with. Do you find that the extroverted leaders thrive on chaos? I do. Do you yeah. have any examples without sharing their names? I mean, I, I, I've got I've got lots of examples, but I'm trying to figure out how to do it without sharing things. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's that typical you know, CEO, visionary that, you know, everything's extreme, everything's a fire, everything's the end of the world, every week we're making a change, right? And it whipsaws the organization, uh, uh, you know, uh, around. Um, but it's interesting, as you as you stated that, I kind of questioned myself, but then I had to rethink this. My disc pro profile actually says that Ken uh, steps into chaos with ease. So what that means now, and I, I was taking that a little differently, it doesn't mean that Ken likes chaos, right? It means that I can go into it as an introvert calmly and deal yeah. with it and not go crazy. Right. Where some of those others, you know, yeah, they'll go crazy. Oh my yeah. God, what's happened, right? And oh my God, we got to do this, do this. This is the end of the world, blah, blah, blah. It's like, and it's not. It's not the end of the world, right? It's right. not. And we get our people all fired up and concerned and anxiety up, and then we miss execute. We we make mistakes, you know, it's just not great. So yeah, I mean, it goes back to I, I went back to number three is the calming effect extends beyond the team members to your customers and to your leadership team. So yeah. the chaos, the extrovert, which you and I worked with an extrovert before together, right. like we saw those traits, right? right. Those extroverted traits created yeah. chaos. And, and although a very nice human being, right, he thrives in chaos. Yeah. And that's how he, he, and he like loves that chaotic environment. Um, so uh, I, I, I've seen it in some of my coaching clients. I have a coaching client that I won't share details but um, they uh, run a, a, a very large law firm and uh, they thrive on chaos. Yeah. And uh, I always ask the questions like, why do you love chaos so much? Like, they're like, I don't love chaos so much, but you have it all the time. It's always present in your life. Yeah. Like your personal life, your business life, every aspect all of your life yeah. is chaos. Yeah. And they're like, so I think it's it's something that a lot of extroverts will thrive on that. Yeah. I think number five is a very important uh, item to talk about is introverts build more meaningful relationships. So you said something that I think is important, Ken. You don't need 50 buddies surrounding you. You probably have a handful of good friends, maybe a few. Very few. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and we, we, we chalk periodically and it's like we didn't miss a beat. <laughs> right. Right. I'm the same way. Right. I'm, I'm more, I used to probably early in my life be more extroverted, but I I've, Oh, as I've gotten older, I've become yeah. more introverted. Yeah. And um, I have like two or three good friends. That's it. And we don't see each other that often. I'm having lunch with them 
you know, on Friday. Um, and we try to get together periodically, like a, we call it a bro brunch on Sundays, like once every couple of months. But, um, you know, when we meet, we don't, it's not chaotic. We don't go out and like get drunk and dragging each other down the streets of some random town in uh, yeah. the South. Uh, but I have more meaningful relationships with them. They're not superficial, but my one friend within that circle, he is an extrovert. He has like 100 friends, but they're all very surface level, superficial friends. Yeah. And, uh, but where, and, and his extroversion sometimes causes him to make all his relationships, including the one with me superficial. Yeah. Right. And he easily, yeah. like, I think I have had lunch scheduled with him for the last three months but we haven't had lunch yet because he's so busy meeting with other people because he's so chaotic. It's so chaotic. He's like, Oh my God, I totally forgot. I forgot we have lunch today. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think introverted uh, leaders get more out of their team members Yeah. and get their team members feel a greater sense of commitment to that introverted leader. Um, so my intention really wasn't to talk too much about introverts, but we did. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and also just real quick, as I reflect on that, Jesse, I mean, you know, some of our listeners could go, uh, oh, my God, I'm a, I'm an extrovert. I, I can never lead my team. And I think that my takeaway would be, no, you can. You just need to be aware of how you show up, um, you know, how you impact others. Right. And work on some of that. Right. If, if you if you know you're an extrovert that can create that chaotic environment. All right. How can I work on that, right? So it's not chaotic because guess what? Most likely your employees do not and will not thrive in that. Right. Well, and I think you, I'm glad that you brought this point up. I think it's important that if you're an extroverted leader, so my point was not to say that all you extroverts out there don't know what the hell you're doing and you can't be leaders, right? Not, not suggesting that. Right. My point was there are introverted leaders that are sitting on the sideline thinking I can't lead a team. They might be a solo that has great opportunity to build a business, but they're reluctant to build their business. Um, or they don't think they're a great leader, even though they have a team. I think what's important is that if you're an extroverted leader, an extroverted business owner, you need to create balance on your team and bring in a second in command. So if you're a visionary, you need to bring in an integrator in your organization that's more you know, introverted, that yeah. can really focus on the planning, really yeah. focus on leading the team uh, so that you can level, take your leadership strengths, which are the extroversion, the, develop, the business development, the relationships, going out and speaking on behalf of your business, going out and raising money for your business, those are skills that you are capable as an extroverted leader that an introverted leader can hold the fort down for you. Yep, and I know, Ken, that's probably why you, you've been in sales roles. Yeah. So you, sales requires more extroversion skills, right? right? So right. you can turn them on and off. But the yeah. reason why you've thrived so much as a chief operations officer level executive is because of those introverted skills. Yeah, I agree 100%. Yep. So, um. Next section, great path, leaders of the past, great leaders of the past. So tell me what comes to mind. Who is the greatest leader? And it doesn't have to be a business leader. It could be a global leader. Who's the greatest leader that comes to mind for you of all time? George Washington. George Washington. Give me a reason why you think he's the greatest leader. Um, fighting was, you know, not about him. It was about a greater good. Um, when he became president, he turned over his sword. Um, they wanted to elect him multiple times. He declined. He did not want to be a king. And um, he pushed away from power quite a bit, but was clearly a very powerful, highly respected individual. Um, that, you know, made up some great accomplishments. So he was forced into general and president and leadership roles because he was just a pure leader. Right. But he didn't force it, want it, and demand it, like no names, but lots of political leaders these days, right? That yes. want it for power. George Washington did not want that, but he could change everything for the greater good. So you have to be the leader if everybody around you is saying, dude, you're the leader. Yeah. <laughs> And he comes across as one of those guys, I think. There are a lot of leaders that uh, are not leaders in the sense of like, again, to your point, uh, preaching 
across the country saying, I'm going to become the president of the United States. Right. There's the ones that kind of are quietly pushed to the surface because yeah. they're such great leaders, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so the first one that comes to mind was Winston Churchill, yeah. right? Winston Churchill, the British prime minister during World War II, was known for his uh, commitment to really inspire resistance against Nazi Germany during that timeline. Yeah, good. And yeah. he was able to thrive under really difficult conditions and showed great determination and uh, you know devotion to his country, but not just his country, right? He was focused on the greater good of uh, you know of of the world. Uh, right. of pushing back the resistance of Nazi Germany during that time. And FDR obviously over was able to overcome polio and paralysis to his legs to become the United States uh, four times, right? Uh, Roosevelt successfully led the country through great depressions in World War II. Um, so I think that one, MLK, uh, obviously led uh, yet a dream of social change. And we're now seeing kind of the 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 fruits of that. And, and as we're seeing kind of more diversity and equity and inclusion in society. Uh, certainly we struggle with ad adopting some of those principles in our day and we're seeing some resistance uh, even in current days, but he was really one of the greatest civil leaders of our time, yep. uh, even not really of my time, but uh, before my time. And he had courage and perseverance in the stance of nonviolence. Uh, you know, he, he was not about violence, right? He was not about going out and burning cities down to get his point across. Yeah, we need more of that. We absolutely need more of that. And Gandhi, right? Gandhi, uh, I, when I was thinking through some of the greatest leaders, I was like, Gandhi comes to mind because a lot of people don't know about Gandhi, but he was really able to push Great Britain out of India without resorting to any violence whatsoever. Uh, he was really an ordinary citizen. So similar to George Washington, right? Was kind of pushed into that role and was able to lead a country to dem demonstrate civil disobedience without violence, right? And they were able to break free India from British rule and get freedom for an entire society. So number five, your name, yeah. right? Uh, every single person that's listening to this podcast, if you're in the shift spot, wherever you're listening to this, you have the ability to become a great leader as well. But the first thing you need to put down is you need to put down this one very heavy piece of baggage, which is your ego. Yeah. A lot of these people put their egos to the side and the one, the leaders that carry a heavy amount of ego are the ones that don't last as a leader. And we've seen that in our in our history, right? Yeah. We've seen where you, like Barack Obama, you, again, whether whatever side you're on, he was able to inspire people. Yeah, he didn't lead via ego. He led people, which is why he was elected twice. Yeah, right. Obama, whether, Reagan. Yeah, Ronald yeah. Reagan, same yeah. thing, right? Even even George W. Bush, in yeah. a lot of ways, like. He didn't have a lot of ego. He's like, let's just, he, he ran as a president and he, and he, he got elected twice because of it. Um, so uh, I think some of the greatest leaders lead without ego. And that's something that I think is important. And there's so, a lot of people that are actually in leadership roles that quite honestly, um, that are there because of fear, right? Yes. If you think of historical per perspective, and I know this won't offend anyone, but Putin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. Not a great leader. <laughs> <laughs> no, but fear, right? And but fear is driven. Fear is driven in order to instill fear in people. It comes from a place of ego. Yes, agree. Yeah. Right, because he wants he wants power, and in order to get power, you have to have a big ego. Yeah. Uh, so the 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 leaders, uh, you know, even if you look at you know, like again, look at the some of the activities of the of our of our recent past. Dif how different leaders responded in, in those times and which ones led via ego and which ones led with true leadership. Yep. And uh, the, the unfortunate thing is we lack a lot of leadership in our government we've system in the United void. States right now. Yeah, what was that? We've got a leadership void these days, yeah. Yeah, we definitely are lacking leadership. System as well. Great leaders don't want to actually step up in political Correct. positions. Uh, Correct. So. But in your businesses, Every single business owner that's listening to this, you have the capability to truly become the leader you want to be, which is the whole topic of today's uh, episode is really, you know, become the leader you want to be. You can look back and see the leaders. you. Jesse, just real quick. I want to change that a little, a little bit. Yeah. The leader you want to be, the leader you have to be for your company and its success, right? So if you truly want to realize your vision and be successful 
and get the results that you 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 want and you have this vision of, you know, there's no choice, <laughs> right? You have to figure this out. But I would argue that uh, I would argue that if we want those things in our business, yeah, we have to want to be those things. That's fair. Whether we like it or not. Yeah, that's fair. Growth comes from the desire of wanting change. Yeah. And if I see a business that I want it to be, I have to want to make that change in my life. Um, yeah. If I feel forced by it, I probably, it, it's not going, the longevity around it will not last. It Agreed. will be very short-lived. Agreed. Some people want to be great leaders, but they don't know how, and then they're forced into it. But then they resort to going back to being the same way they were beforehand. Yeah. I see it every, I see it every day in coaching. I can tell people all the time, you need to do this. But until they truly want to, they never they never change. Um, so worksheet exercise. So uh, these are the same questions that are in the worksheet. So you could do this without my worksheet, but you you know uh, I will give you uh, you know Ken and and Winter at ShiftSpot and your team at ShiftSpot. I will make sure I give you access to the the ebook. There's an ebook that's connected to this presentation. There's also a worksheet connected to this presentation that everybody in the ShiftSpot will get access to. If you're listening to this on the podcast. Uh, we'll make sure you get a link to download it below in the comments on the link, whatever whatever platform you're on. But the first one is, how would increasing my leadership? So I want you to ask these questions of yourself. This is the exercise, right? How would increasing your leadership skills affect your personal life? Yep. So the question is, is how would in leadership, uh, increasing my leadership skills affect my professional life? So if you change your leadership and you up-leveled your leadership skills, how will it affect you professionally? How will it affect your team? And going back to, do you want to, are you a valuable leader in your organization? Are you an attractive leader to your team? How do you become that leader? And it starts out by really understanding what skills affect you to becoming a great leader and how will it impact your professional life? The second one is which qualities are common with great leaders are you lacking? Like I asked you, Ken, out of the eight things, which ones were you lacking and you picked uh, flexibility, right? You're a little bit more rigid in your leadership style. So becoming even a better leader than you are is figuring out how do you exhibit the quality of flexibility and what are some things that you can change in order to do that? I would challenge you that every single quality on that list, you have the ability to change, yeah. right? You're not a 10 in any of those areas. You're probably maybe a nine in some, but you could probably up-level your skills in every single one of those areas. Definitely. Um, whom could I approach to mentor my leadership development? If you're not part of the shift spot, this is exactly what the shift spot's all about, is like leadership development, mentorship, and, and basically becoming a better leader and building your business and achieving the, the, the dream of why you started this business in the first place. So establish a, a mentor, right? You can use coaches like Ken and I throughout your, your, your career. If you don't have a coach, you should have a coach. I think everybody at some point in their career, if you're going to go to that next level, you need a coach to kind of help you hold you accountable and help take you to that next level in your leadership development. Um, what could I do today to increase my abilities to lead others? I personally, Ken, out of all these questions, I think this is the most important question is what could I do today? to increase my abilities to lead others. What are your thoughts on that question? Well, I mean, my thoughts are initially that it's kind of enlightening. Well, I could actually change something today and actually become a better leader. So because when you think of becoming a better leader, it sounds like it's a lot of work and it takes a lot of time, <laughs> right? Um, and then it makes me reflect on what could I change? Well, all right, so if I'm an owner and I hear people say, well, we we just, you know, there's challenges with understanding what you want. I could effectively put a lot of work into just how I communicate, right? Yeah. How I write message, how I articulate message, how often I repeat message because it takes people multiple times to hear that. It takes, you know, they say seven, seven times, up to seven times. Some are some people are audio, some are visual. So I could actually I could actually put work into that today. And by next week, I could technically become better at communication and thus a better leader. So that, that's how I thought through that. Incremental change, right? I call it snackable moments in our life. We just make snackable changes, little bite-sized changes, and we will become a better leader every single day. Just 
the the one if there's one skill that you that I think every leader can become better at every single day is just listening better. Agree with that. Right. Just listen more and and stop thinking you have all the answers. And and your team, you'll be very surprised by your team. Number five, how could you become a, a better leader? How could becoming a better leader enhance my life outside of work? Right. And we talked about this during the presentation of how it will impact you outside of work, such as influencing, creating more opportunities, better referrals, uh, just better relationships within your family, your familial structure, yeah. um, creating better relationships with your friends. Right. Uh, yeah. Just becoming a better leader, I think, is, is valuable across our lives. Uh, number six, which past leaders do I find interesting um, and then which is the closest to my style? So as part of this exercise, I want you to look at which leaders you find most interesting and which ones do you exhibit the same qualities as that person? And, and what are some of the qualities within that person that you could exhibit and change to become a better leader? Um, I'm always trying to emulate other leaders, right? Like I look at great leaders and I'm like, I want to exhibit and emulate them in that particular area. Um, and, you know, that's why we listen and read books, right? Because those people are oftentimes great leaders and are seen as great leaders. And we want to emulate some of those characteristics and traits. Yep. And last uh, of this exercise is what is the greatest barrier to growing my leadership skill? First, you need to understand what's the biggest barrier and then follow that up with how can I overcome that? And that's by going back to number three, having a mentor or a coach will yep. help you overcome that barrier. Any parting thoughts on this exercise, Ken? No, this is very valuable. I, I would uh, challenge the people that get this and think through this uh, in the community, post on it, outside of the community, you know, um, re reach out to Jesse or myself on it uh, if you want to dig into this more. But this is a this is a great exercise, these seven points. Well, great. So I know we're at the end of our time, Ken. Again, I so appreciate you inviting me into the Shift Spot community and letting me be part of this and letting me facilitate uh, the last four weeks yeah. of conversations around leadership and management. We'll have to have you back in a couple months for sure, Jesse. Do something else. It's just fun. Yeah, so. I look forward to it. So um, if you need to learn more about the Shift Spot, uh, Ken, how do people learn more about the Shift Spot? Yeah, just go to www.theshiftspot.com or shoot me an email at ken at the uh, We're in LinkedIn as well. So multiple points to reach out to us, which whichever is easier. Great, perfect. And then if you want to learn more about me, Jesse Fry, you can go to coach.jessejfry, J-E-S-S-E, middle initial J, fry.com. Uh, you can learn about me and, you know, my coaching practice, the, the different things that I do. I'm actually in the ShiftSpot community, so you can also join the ShiftSpot and interact with me, Ken, and the other people within Ken's ecosphere and other members of the ShiftSpot. Uh, otherwise, Ken, thanks so much again, and uh, I look forward to future conversations with you. Thank you, Jesse. Always a pleasure. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good day.